Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, former chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak, current chairman of the C-Suite Network, home of the C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Advisors, and C-Suite Network Councils, Jeffrey Hayslet. Hey, what you drink? You know, one of the things that I had a conversation with uh, and actually got to study a little bit with Hal, Hal Gregerson, who is an MIT lecturer, done a lot of amazing things. But one of the things that he shared, he said that early in your career, you make a name for yourself by providing all the right answers. If someone mm-hmm. asks you a question, you can provide the answer, then that's how you make a name for yourself. But once you get into leadership, everyone's got answers. Now, the way you separate yourself is by asking the right questions. Yeah. And so he's really cool. big on what are the kinds of questions that you're asking that can change the direction of the company. And so I just want to get your reaction to that idea of the higher you go in the organization, it's really more about the questions you ask the rest of your organization, as opposed to how quickly you can spout off the answer. Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing. I'm sitting here thinking about the times I've been around that round table where I've been in in situations, you know, I used to have a business partner by the name of Sheldon Addison, who was the richest, one of the richest men in the world. He just passed this last year. He owns a Venetian hotel. He owned Comdex, you know, and I can remember going to a presentation with Sheldon on something where he invested money and millions and millions of dollars in a company that I was the president of, software company. And I remember going to the presentation and I didn't no more than get three words out. And he asked me a question and it was like the one weak point I had in the entire presentation. Like that sucker just pinpoint. And by the way, I've been in numerous boardrooms where that's happened to me over and over and over again. So that was my first lesson to be prepared for those kinds of questions, right? And they would always ask you the questions you were most vulnerable on. And by the way, how you dealt with it, it wasn't so bad that, you know, we all got weak points. If you do a SWOT analysis, you all got weaknesses. We all got weaknesses. Every great heavyweight fighter has a weakness. Every scotch whiskey has a weakness to it right there there's always something about you know what how they were aged or whatever there's just something you know nothing's perfect and it's really in your ability to answer those questions that really comes your real strengths right or the or to say you know what Gaywin, i'm not quite sure i if you would give me one week or one day i can come back with that answer or yeah I, you know i thought you might ask about that and let me tell you that is our weakness and you pinpoint, and I thank you for bringing that out because let me tell you how we're going to deal with it. You know, th- those would be the kinds of things that would be a lot of fun to deal. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, that you tapped on that uh, I really would love to get more insight about because it doesn't, it doesn't really fit what people would normally think. And that's this idea of masterminds that you've got people that are brilliant, right? You just named mm-hmm. a half dozen people that if people, if we don't know them, a 15 second search on Google, it will leave you impressed. 
but yet they are part of mastermind groups where they are asking questions of their peers, they're getting support, they're hiring coaches. That doesn't seem to fit. Why in the world would these senior executives invest the kind of money that you just suggested in order to be part of mastermind groups and, and, and hire coaches? Seems like they should have all the answers. Why, why, why would they spend that kind of money for that? No, I mean, it's no different than it. Okay. That would say like, Hey, let's have a professional football team like the Patriots or pick your favorite team and not have a coach. Are you nuts? Of course, you got coaches. You got more than one coach. You got an offensive back coach. You got a defensive line coach. You got an offensive line coach. You got an offensive back coach. You got receivers coach. You got a kicking coach. I don't know. You got coaches of coaches. What are you talking about? Of course, Tiger Woods, he might have some faults, but let me tell you what, he's got a coach. And that coach is helping him on his short game. He's got a coach on his long game. He's got a coach for his head. You know, he's thinking about things all the time. Great, great athletes do that. Well, great, great business people do that too. Because we don't have all the answers. Man, I, I, I remember walking into a meeting the first week I was at Eastman Kodak, and I'm going, man, this place is screwed up. Somebody should do something about this. And then I looked around the table and realized, hey, that's me. And you don't know everything. I mean, you know, here I am, the chief marketing officer. I remember sitting in a big agency pitch, and the agencies are going on, and somebody said something about an autotron. I raised my hand. Of course, I'm the CMO. I don't have to raise my hand. But I raised my hand to stop them. I said, can you tell me what an autotron is? I had no clue what that was. And they told me the answer. I said, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And afterwards, I left. My VP of branding came over to me and said, you know, Mr. Hazel, you shouldn't ask a question like that. You shouldn't ask that question because it shows that you don't know the answer. I said, I didn't know the answer. That's why I asked the question. Were you crazy? She said, no, but you should really act like you know those things. I said, what are you talking about? Act like I should know those things. I said, how about if I get behind a car and act like I'm driving? How do you like that? That's not good. I said, I'm helping to lead this company. If there's a simple thing, I don't know. Even if, I, if it's the most stupidest question that an executive could ask, I'm going to ask because I'm going to make decisions that are going to impact people's lives, going to impact markets. I mean, we move markets. And the way in which we bought commodities like silver and other things, if I said the wrong thing publicly, stock could crash. Industries could be hurt. Of course, I, I don't want to make those mistakes publicly. So I'll ask those questions. Or I wouldn't get behind a car and drive if I didn't know the right way to do it, if I didn't ask the right way to teach me. You know, that, that reminds me of a, of a um, conversation I, I happened to be listening to. I was on Clubhouse and Simon Sinek happened to be in a room. One of the stories he was talking about was when he was invited to sit in a meeting for a company that he was working with. So he was working with them on a variety of other things. They said, hey, we're getting ready to have this meeting. Why don't you come join this meeting? And so he came, joined the meeting, and it was McKinsey-like consulting company mm. presenting. Yeah. And they were talking about a whole lot of things that Simon didn't understand. And so Simon raised his hand and stopped the meeting. And he said, you know, hey, look, I, I'm kind of slow when it comes to things like that. Could you explain what that means, That you what you just said? Could you explain what that means? And so the consultants explained what it meant. Simon looked around the room and and uh, the consultant continued talking and he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I still don't get it. Could you try it one more time? Use different words maybe, but I, I'm kind of slow with things like this. I don't get it. And so they tried to explain it one more time and then they went back into their presentation. Simon said, you know, you guys are going to hate me, but I just, I, I still don't get it. And so they sighed and they rolled their eyes 
and they tried one more time. And then finally, the senior leader of the company was sitting right next to Simon. And uh, right after they finished, that senior leader raised his hand and said, you know what? Um, I, I don't understand this either. Um, <laughs> and great. that really doesn't make sense to me. If we're going to invest $50,000 in your research, seems like we should understand what you're talking about. And Simon made the point in the clubhouse conversation that any success that he has had, he attributed to the fact that he's not afraid to be the idiot in the room yeah. <laughs> asking the dumb questions like you. Well, that's good because usually that's me. That's, he's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, if, if I don't understand, right. then what good is the ego if we're still making bad decisions, right? Yeah. What good is it yeah. to invest in all these smart people to come in and, and say all these amazing things if we don't understand it. So that is so consistent with what you were just sharing. And that's the value of these mastermind groups. And uh, I know that you've got, you know, this whole mastermind network and you're building that out even greater, even, even larger so that people at the senior most level, some of my guests, some of my listeners, they can get that kind of confidential support. I think it's important for us to cause that kind of tension to ask those things to be transparent if you want to talk about leadership mm. the best thing that leaders can be is transparent you you know we shouldn't delve into i mean i am like one of the most transparent people in the world i just say it like it is even you know on my shows whether it's an all business on c-suite radio or executive perspective i will ask questions or on my show on bloomberg i would ask or i will ask questions where people say did he just say that did he just say that and it's not the whiskey talking it's just straight talk right because i i like conversations in like on our scott sunday we have very transparent conversations last night we talked about freedom so i'm going to be opening the keynote for freedom fest which is a large large uh, kind of a libertarian but business convention and they're getting together three four thousand people and they asked me to be the opening keynote and i'm going to go there and and to me i love being transparent not just on stage but in everything in life. And the more transparent that we are, the more that it allows us to not have to backtrack, do different things and so forth. And in doing that, I just think it gives us a greater, you know, a greater, clearer, crisper understanding of where we want to go. You know, I talk about in business, one of the best things we can do is drive conditions of satisfaction. Mm. We need to know what those are whether they're personal conditions of satisfaction or the company's con condition of satisfaction and everything we do, we have to have an owner. We have to have a customer and whether you're even in your own personal life, you know, sometimes, you know, with your, your spouse, you're the owner and sometimes she's the owner and you're the customer, you know, you, you have to be able to define what roles we're playing in those things. And if you're not transparent about it, then there might be guessing about it. There might be, people who were trying to figure it out. Well, let's just say it during the height of this uh, Black Lives Matter a year ago. You know, we were having lots of conversations and people were afraid to talk about certain things. I said, I don't know if you know this, Galen, but you're black, you know. <laughs> so I've been told. Yeah. So you've been told. So you see in the mirror. Right. Well, but sometimes we're afraid to have those conversations. And so I, you know, I invited all kinds of kinds of people on my show, white, black, everything. And I started saying, look, I want to make sure that we talk about these things. I want to have us put it out on the table so we can make other people uncomfortable mm -hmm. and we can be uncomfortable so we can become comfortable. You know, I was talking to Rolanda Watts, who used to have one of the biggest talk shows in the world 
up against Oprah for years. And, and I said, you know, if it had happened to me, I would have done this and I would have done this. We were talking about George Floyd. And she said, Jeff, it never would have happened to you. Whoa. That was a great leadership moment where she said something to me direct that she could say in a conversation, being transparent to say, you know, you're right. I never would. Everyone lives life. And this sounds so trite, but I think it's true. Everyone lives life from the perspective of their worldview. You know, everything is so clear and so simple from my perspective. And I think the more effective leaders understand and appreciate that while my perspective is true for me, yeah. it's not true for everyone. And my job is to make sure that everyone feels comfortable enough to bring me their best. As of late, I've, I've been asked to do some DE&I work. That is not my training. That's not my background. You know, I'm a, I'm a leadership dude, both from, you know, managing organizations, leading in organizations, and then after that, studying leadership, and that's my expertise. But DE&I becomes part of that story because it's really about how can I make everyone feel comfortable enough to bring me their best? If I am leading an organization and there are conditions in my organization that make it awkward for you to want to bring me the best or bring me the truth or, or, or tell me your ideas, that's my responsibility as the leader. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily have to be a DE&I expert to care about that issue. I don't have to be a DE&I expert to be willing to have those conversations. And so that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're just saying, let's have the conversation. That is center stage for what's affecting us. So let's talk about it. Yeah. I, when I think the more that we talk about it, less it becomes a, certainly it becomes a problem. You know, it's just like right now, there's a lot of talk about gender. I am scared to death that I am going to say the wrong thing. I can guarantee you that right now, because I don't know whether to say him, her, she, I, I I'm serious because I grew up in a certain way and that's again, my perspective, right? And so now I'm, I, I need to learn a whole nother vernacular that I wasn't uh, aware of. And that's one of the cool things I think for leaders is you, you should go forward in a state of, I'm not aware of what I'm aware of. <laughs> that means, you know, you're in a constant state of awareness, which means you, you got to learn all the time. You always got to be shown. And I think real leaders are truly inquisitive. Mm. Tell me Ooh, about this. How's it work? That, what do say you say that again? Wait, wait, I think real again. leaders are truly inquisitive. I think they're, they're, they're almost like podcast hosts or they're like a media host. They're always continually asking questions. If you see real leaders, you know, leading from the front, they're asking questions. They're asking you where the enemy is. They're asking where troop placements are. Are we being flanked? Where is our flank at? Where is all these different points? If you're going to battle, these are, I, you know, you want to see real leaders ask questions. Not like, hey, let's go here. Ah, last time we did that, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. So, you know, and I think real leaders are asking you how, how it's being done, what's being done. How, what problems you're solving, how you're solving it, what do the customers want, what are, you know, or asking the real people, the real customers, you know, and there's less of that. And I, I mean, that's what makes good leaders, good leaders and bad leaders, bad leaders. There's good examples of both sides. Yeah. You know, I, I've been on this thing for the past couple of episodes where I have been really honing in on my belief that at the core of leadership is courage. 
the willingness to go into spaces, not having the answer, but just having the confidence that we can get to the other side and uh, being willing to go into conversations, knowing that there's a good chance I'm going to say something wrong and I'm willing to say, I've said it wrong. I apologize. You know, help oh, me get right. Help me build this argument that at the core of leadership is this idea of courage the courage to do what you believe is is right and pursue this this honorable and admirable goal, although you might not have all the answers. Well, in my third book, third bestseller, Think Big, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless, and I outline what keeps great companies from being great, what keeps great leaders from being you know, really good at what they do. It's fear, and they're able to overcome fear. You know, I, my wife is five foot one, 105 pounds. I'm six foot three, 270 some pounds. And the first time I met her scared the living crap out of me. And to this day, 40 years later, scares the living, you know what, out of me. So I had to overcome the fear of seeing her the first time to have enough courage to walk over and say, hello. It's that fear of one, two seconds. Like if you're afraid of jumping, I'm scared to death of heights. I get a nosebleed if I wear two pairs of socks. <laughs> So, but imagine me jumping off a, uh, a high dive. The first time I jumped off a high dive when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Warner Robins, Georgia, down at the trailer park where I grew up. And there was a swimming pool down in the middle of the trailer park that we all got to go. And there was a high dive, like five, six feet off the water. That's how big our high dive was. But it would scare me. And I would be afraid to go off because I was scared of heights. And then you get down on the, on, you get on the edge of that, that, that board and you're looking down at it. You don't want to jump. You don't want to jump because you're scared to death. And I mean, I can still feel the heart pounding right now. But I got to go because there's three guys coming up behind me and they're going to push me off if I don't jump. So I jump. And when you jump, immediately you feel this elation of like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. So exciting. I can't wait. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. And that's what we have to do. We have to overcome. We have to use courage that courage to overcome the fear, that one, that two seconds of fear that we have because we, they're going to see me as a fraud. I don't know the answers. I'm not in control here. Well, when you become a better leader, when you become a good leader, you understand you're never in control. You don't have all the answers. You don't, you don't have the intensity that others have, the passion that many others have. You're not as big as the other. You're not as smart. You're not as fast. You're not as good looking. I mean, all those things. So just understand that to begin with is a much better thing that you don't, that those aren't the things you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, this has been an absolute masterclass in leadership. Before we head out and raise our glasses, uh, share a little bit about uh, what you're working on and how people can, can get more of this if they want to connect with you directly, either to speak to their organization or just to, you know, share a drink with you? How, how can they get uh, a hold of you? Well, just invite me for bacon is always good. <laughs> bacon or scotch. And I like, I take it neat. Listen, you can find me everywhere. I'm so, so involved with helping C-suite executives reach other C-suite executives. That is right now my passion. It's, it's what consumes me every day. I go to bed at, at night, hoping I'll hurry up and sleep so I can get going the next day. That's how excited I am about it. We're building C-Suite Radio, the world's largest podcast network and for business podcasts. And that's going, we grew by 450% last year, 120% new shows, 137% new episodes. And uh, we'll surpass that this year. We got C-Suite TV, over 100 TV shows on, on Apple, Roku, Amazon Fire. And uh, you'll see us on United Airlines and so many other places. C-Suite Book Club, which you mentioned, thank you very much for contributing such a great uh, bestseller to 
to that book club. And then, you know, our C-suite network where we have contributing members, executive members, and then all of these, what we call council members or mastermind members. And we call them councils, peer-to-peer councils rather than masterminds. And we just get so many of those groups that are growing. We'll probably double that this year as well. And so I'm excited by that. So you can reach me at c-suitenetwork.com. You can find me on C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV, C-Suite Book Club. You just type in Hazlet, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, and type it. You can find me anywhere. Wherever fine scotch is sold, you'll see. I, I, w- I was just going to say, if you if you if you walk into a room with a glass of nice scotch, Jeffrey might find you. So, oh, I'll, in a heartbeat, <laughs> if you got a bottle, you can guarantee I'll find you. I'll find you. Well, I might even be bringing a flask or two. I, you know, because life's too short not to drink good wine, good whiskey, and be with good people. Of course, good music. You know, when you can when you have that opportunity too, that's a sign that I need to explore more again. My wife is a Grammy nominated artist just she sings with a choral group and she she knows music and i'm just in awe of her talent and so i'm nowhere near her i've always found my you know a lot of people find great solitude and stuff in music and music has been good for me i'm more of a country western guy but when i'm on the tractor listening with headphones as i'm on lawn or something like that on the back 40 literally but i enjoy sitting with a friend or two or relative you know, and having a nice and sharing a whiskey. I, you know, I even have a decanter that a young man gave to me on a Thanksgiving. He had nowhere to go. He was a homosexual male. His family disowned him. And one of the smart, went to Harvard, a smart young man. And he had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. And I invited him and he, he came and spent Thanksgiving with my family and I, and he brought me this decanter. This beautiful decanter, blue cobalt, silver with a sterling silver bull head on the top. It just, and then a year and a half later, he committed suicide because he just couldn't deal with the pressure of, of lots of different things in his life. He was very troubled. But every once in a while, I pull out that decanter and I have a, I don't want to use his name. I don't want to say his name. Those that might be listening might know. And, and I just want to always keep that private. But I, I, every once in a while, I pour a glass for him and have it and share a glass with him. Well, absolutely. Well, hey, I, I'll tell you, I'd be so honored if you'd raise your glass. We'll toast out and you can think of him. But this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being part of Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. And uh, you guys have got to check this guy out. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And if you stumble into the C-Suite Network, I promise you, your life will never be the same. You're going to find all kinds of people that are speaking your language. They're telling you where you need to go. They're telling you what you need to think about. And they're probably going to leave you with a lot more questions than answers. Because as we've discussed, it's really about the questions that you're asking. So with that, Jeffrey, raise your glass. Yeah, oh, cheers, brother. Cheers. So, as they say, salancheva, salavancheva. Gaelic for cheers and drink good drinking, good whiskey. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.